Hey, hey, this is Megan, and you're listening to the Salesy Podcast. This is a podcast for a modern business owner where you will learn how to build your business while staying true to yourself at the same time. As a sales expert of the last eight years and an online business owner, I am here to teach you tangible sales techniques rooted in psychology and human behavior. Get your earbuds on and your salesy notebook out and let's get started today. Welcome back to another episode of Salesy, and we have another guest for you. She is currently inside of the program Consistent Sales System, but Allie is a learning experience designer and education specialist. So she helps elevate learning experiences. She will challenge you to step out of your comfort zone, become uncomfortable with being comfortable, and come to relish change, leave you with big ideas to ruminate on, guide the next steps to take action and inspiration to carry your forward all while thinking about your client's learning journey. Ali is an educator, learning designer, and personal development coach. She is also the founder and CEO of My Friend Ali, an online consulting and coaching company committed to building lifelong personal learning and development in any environment. I'm so excited for you to learn from her and listen to her. There are so many opportunities that I've had to talk to her that have really just changed how I do learning and all of those things. So get your notebooks out and we'll get started. Okay. Yay. I'm so excited to have you on here to talk about learning. For those of you who don't know, Allie is actually inside of one of my programs. So I have gotten to watch her grow and expand into this incredible new space. So, so excited to talk about all of that today. My favorite question to start with, with you specifically, is what are some of the problems that you're seeing in the online space when it comes to learning? And with your role, how are you starting to like remedy those like problems into real solutions for people? Coming off hot with that question. <laughs> I like it. Just jump right in with Megan here on the Salesy Podcast. All right. Um, so in terms of like things I see in the online space with learning, right? So I think the what I saw kind of came out of being a learner in different coaching programs. And like we all, I wouldn't say it's just the online space. It's just like the educational space is that everybody has like an experience with education, what, you know, like their K through 12 experience, post um, secondary, et cetera. And then you, you, at some point now in the education, in the online space, right? Like you come back to coaching or being in a in an adult learning program and maybe your learning muscles haven't been executed in a while um, maybe they have but maybe you've had a lot of formal education um, you know in the traditional school model and now you're jumping into a paid program with someone who may or may not have an educational background um, as a business owner, as a coach, like you can have an expertise and like, you know, that really well, but maybe you don't have um, a teaching background. So what I just started seeing is that there's so many people in the online space that want to help and they want to serve and they want to like get their clients results, but 
they don't necessarily understand that not everyone learns like them. And the irony of you asking me this question is that's literally like we just posted about, right? Like, is that like, not everyone learns like you. And it's like something that I just started realizing based on being in coaching programs um, that the coaches and um, weren't really differentiating. They weren't kind of meeting their learners where they're at. And it's not like a, a fault of their own. I could just tell like, they don't even, they, they weren't even realizing that there were different like learning styles or how, like if they were kind of, if someone was being frustrated in the program, like, or, or they were stuck in a step, my teacher, my, my teaching background brain was like, oh, they should just do this. They should just do that. And so that's kind of like how I even got into trying to solve some of these problems for people is just based off of like my experience. And then like, you know, I, you, you make friends in these programs and like, you kind of talk about, you know, like where you're at in the program, like what you're stuck on. And I was like, oh, I, I felt like I was ending up helping people just organically and naturally as peers. And then I realized like, oh, there's such a need for this in the space um, to kind of help people, one, learn how, learn kind of like different ways people learn, like how you learn, how other people learn. But then like, if you haven't exercised your learning muscles in a way like how can you come into a container or a coaching program or something empowered and be able to advocate for yourself or know what to even look for in a program um before you join one that isn't going to be a good match for you right so all of those that's that's kind of I think answering most of your question yeah it's a hard-hitting question honestly And I think with you too, what I noticed is that you give a different viewpoint that a lot of times when you have learned something, you learn it through your method. And it has been proven with learners that like when you learn what works for you, you're not going to naturally like change your behavior and try a new method. And that's why some people struggle in the online spaces because like you said, you know, how we learn is typically how we teach. It's like selling how we like to buy is how we like to sell. And a lot of times, you know, that doesn't reach everyone. And with that too, there's a lot of holes where people could be having these, you know, whole concepts taught in a way that allows them to take the concept, implement it, and be able to use it over and over again. And that I think too can talk to like client success, which I know is very trendy right now inside the online space as it should be. You kind of mentioned about, you know, being an educator and I know this from personally knowing you, but how do they like teach you how to teach? Like when you go to teacher school, do they teach you how to teach? <laughs> That's such a good question. <laughs> um, and yeah, like, so there are entire classes that are kind of on different elements of teaching. So it's like, I mean, you do take psychology type classes, right? Like, so um, just like brain development and stuff. And me being a science educator also just kind of leaned really heavily into that space. So how do they kind of teach you how to teach, right? So there is, um, there's lots of different methods for this. One is, you know, like, you planning a lesson, you delivering a lesson, and you're like doing this within a class, you know, there are certain like restraints or, you know, uh, things you have to cover in that lesson, different um, ways to engage students that are all based on, you know, like educational research and like meta-analysis and right, the, 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 the high impact um, teaching strategies. And so then you do it and 
after you teach, there's like this whole reflection process and you're usually like recorded and you do all these debriefings. And I think when you're put in an environment where you are not only teaching the lesson, but you're like, so you're experiencing it in real time. And then you're unpacking that afterwards. That's how you really learn how to educate because you see your blind spots. You see how the, how people reacted. Um, you understand like ways to, to adjust it for the next lesson. And even like as an educator, like in, when you are teaching, there are regular evaluations. And if you're a new educator, there are lots of video um, observations. So it's like, not only have I studied kind of like the science and the theories and everything behind a learning experience, but then it's like, I've put it into application, see how it lands right? Like that's different. And then you um, circle back and then debrief it, which that that's a whole year long program that it was like constant. And then throughout my 10 years of teaching, right? Like I was constantly evaluated. I can't tell you how many times I recorded myself, not to mention the pandemic. I was recording every single lesson. And then I often would review it just because it's like a natural practice for me to see like how it would land. And like that alone is a practice you can do. Like how is the information landing? Are your clients responding to it? So it's like, if you want to just improve your teaching modality, you kind of have to be comfortable with observing yourself and then like looking for ways to kind of adjust it. Um, so yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of ways to kind of like learn how to teach. Um, but it, those are some. I'm about to go back through all the CSS calls and be like, did this land? Did this hit? I didn't give you that feedback. Uh, I can normally tell with your guys' faces too. That's the one thing I think a lot of coaches like you could see once you know your clients well enough, you can see what they're thinking faces. And then you can also see when they're like completely out left field, don't know what's going on. So with teaching coaching programs, how do you feel about slide decks and the rain that slide decks have in courses? Man, I knew you were going to ask me this. I don't know why. Like he's definitely going to ask you about slide decks. Um, so they definitely serve a purpose. Um, I wouldn't say that uh, they need to be like the front and center modality of learning, but a visual anchor doesn't have to be a slide deck. I would say a visual anchor is very important. Um, So I'm going to use an example, like if in a relationship, and this is like, it, it seems like it's not related, but it is so related. Okay. So next time, you know, you and your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your spouse, your partner, and you get in a fight. Okay. I want you to like put something like a piece of paper or an object for both of like to talk around the fight or the object. And it's like literally an anchor point for you to center your frustrations around rather than like at the other person. And it's like literally, it literally allows your brain to channel that energy into that thing rather than the other person. And the same thing with learning. So most people need a visual anchor, whether that's a slide deck, it doesn't have to be pretty. It can be, it can literally be a piece of paper. It can be um, like, a, a, like a, it could be a little thing you're holding up on the screen, but something that helps people understand what you're saying verbally. And so I, people put a lot of time and energy into pretty visuals, which don't be wrong beautiful image that complements what you are teaching 
is highly valuable, but it is not the only way to anchor learning is um, pretty, pretty slide decks. So I'll say that about them. Okay, you're never going to see a slide deck from me again, guys. This is the end of slide decks. Just kidding. We still use them sometimes. Yeah, I like that you say like a visual anchor because I think that's where a lot of people can also miss the mark. I've been in programs where it's just slide deck after slide decks after slide deck, and I'm not actually a visual learner. I am an audio kinesthetic learner, so I have to hear it and then I have to do it. And that's where I think people also need to remember that, like, just because you're a visual learner doesn't mean everybody else is a visual learner. For people who aren't familiar with learning styles, can you give like a quick little, you know, Mm. 60 second or longer, like how to identify and what that means? I like how you're trying to give me a time limit knowing that like I can talk. Um, So I would... It's interesting though. I'm going to break down what you just said um, first here. So you said like, I am visual and kinesthetic and I like to hear things um, uh, verbally and then I like to do them. Um, And so that's a difference in input versus output. So you like a verbal input, but you like uh, hands on output. And Eve, like, so when people think of learning styles, they'll typically think of like reading and writing, um, visual, verbal, and then kinesthetic. And those are definitely the four types or their main styles, I would say. We tend to ebb and flow through all of them in different circumstances. So it's really identifying how you like to learn circumstantially. So like pay attention to when do you pay attention to visuals? Like, and how do you remember them? You know, when you're trying to remember something, what comes to mind? Is it a sound or is it a picture? Or is it you, is it like you picturing, like going through the motions of something or was it you writing something down? Um, Cause that's going to tell you like how, like what input you lean into when you're trying to remember something. So for me um, as a learner, I know that if I take active notes, um, And while I'm listening to a verbal or a visual presentation, that's going to anchor my learning. And that's how I'm going to remember it. But for other people, you know, I'm having taught thousands of students over the years. It's really fun to help them kind of lean into how they like to input versus output their learning. And like a lot of students will be like, well, you know, I made these flashcards. And then I'll be like, what, how do you remember the information? They're like, oh, I remember you said, and I was like, cool. So you need to doodle more and, um, uh, and draw pictures because you're remembering the words and you need to anchor them in a different modality than writing because the writing, the words and making the flashcards isn't helpful for you. But people don't necessarily analyze themselves in the learning styles, but also like different types of learning in your life, you're probably going to lean more into certain ones than, than others. So I know it was more than 60 seconds, but (laughs) it wasn't a 60 second question. (laughs) Yeah. And it's interesting just thinking about it. Like, obviously we didn't do this on video. And lately, if you have been on a client call, I have blurred my backgrounds because I also have to anchor in visuals. And that for me is like pictures. Which like saying like, oh, I'm audio, like I do have to have that visual anchoring because like I do remember what people say and like doodling more. It's so interesting too, though, like I think as a coach or as someone who's just facilitating more learning, whether you just do course creation or things like that, like really understanding how to reach different people is so important too. Can you touch on just a little bit about how the learning experience truly relates to client success? 
yeah. So, right, like, uh, it's like a funny phrase I've been using lately, but it's like, uh, it kind of boils down to like, you know, happy learning, happy earning. Because if somebody is, feels like they are growing, right, because like as a coach, as a service provider, as somebody in the online space, or just trying to teach people as adults, if they feel like they're making progress, they're going to want to keep working with you. And if you are getting client results randomly, sporadically, like a, only like a 10, 20% of your clients, like it seems like, you know, most of the people going through your programs aren't getting those fire results, or you feel like the results that you used to get aren't um, getting them as more like, man, I know like when I love something, I'm talking about it all the time. So you just like, right. If you're excited about, you know, getting on those coaching calls or dropping into that course or whatever the, the experience is, or you went to a, just went to a retreat and you just feel like you left elated, lighter, you know, brighter, like you have so much clarity, all those things, you're going to want to share about it. You're going to want to do more of it. And that learning cycle, you get, you really lean into it. I mean, there's reasons why, you know, people stay with the same types of, of companies and, and experiences and hobbies for a long time because they get that dopamine cycle hit. And it's like the same thing with, with learning, you know, like in whatever it is, you have to show how your students are making progress and be able to break that down incrementally. Even if like, especially if you're, you have a program that's really like transformational and you know it takes a long time. You have to be able to show your people um, progress along the way and show them just all that they have learned. And if you don't even know how to do that, then like your client results are going to kind of fade or they're not going to be as good as maybe they could be because people get excited when they know they're they're seeing kind of like those micro wins. Um, and in sales, right, you talk about like the small yes to get people to, you know, to say those like small yeses to bigger yeses. It's kind of like a, an avalanche effect. Right. So, um, yeah, that, that's what I would say in terms of like why it's really important. And it's like, if you know, your marketing and sales so good and like selling the program, isn't the problem anymore, but it's like amplifying the experience. So you get more referrals, you get better testimonials, you get people wanting to work with you longer. Um, all of that stuff comes from, you know, really leaning into, um, elevating that program, I would say, from my perspective. It's a good perspective, though. I like, you know, as a colleague, I really like look up to and respect your like research you've done around education and even applying it to something like the wild, wild west that is the online space. I'm curious, what's your favorite way to learn? Um, well, you probably are not going to be surprised at my answer, but I really like to put myself in the thick of the learning experience. Um, you know, I just got my, my skydiving license. And so I like to put myself in really challenging environments. Um, I think intellectually, I have been blessed to take in information pretty, pretty rapidly. Um, and I was, I, I would say, you know, like I'm naturally like, I'm book smart. Um, and so picking up information. So I, as I've gotten older, I've really learned to put myself in like really demanding fast paced environments and see a kind of like how fast I can pick something up. So I would say that's like 
currently my favorite, favorite way to learn. Like that gets me like the most excited. Um, and then I will, okay, not such an extreme example. Okay. So let's like break this back down to like the ground for people. They're gonna be like, what? Um, so I would say I, and this is so undervalued. Um, and I know this is something we've talked about, but in real time learning. So people underestimate the value of doing something in real time with something else. And it's beyond co-working. It's literally solving a problem together, working together in real time and getting that instant feedback loop. This is why video games are so addictive and like, you know, that you get that constant dopamine, but imagine what that's like working with someone else and learning with someone else together on the go. And um, it's my favorite way to learn. My mom actually taught me that about real-time learning. Um, when I was little, I was in an educational study. So for, I don't think I've, I publicly talk about this a lot. My mom is in educational theory and that's why I have been as blessed as I have to know things before a lot of people in the online space. And Ali's connected with my mom, but she, growing up, she knew I was always so thirsty for knowledge and growth. And so a lot of like my learning happened in real time even like learning how to ride a bike, I was definitely like, I was like eight years old learning how to ride a bike, but it was very much like real time. And I think that's a lot of where coaching misses the mark is, you know, walking people through things and you experience that inside a consistent sales system, but even helping people in that moment when they're in that loop and giving direct feedback is so powerful. We also see this a lot with like sports and more athletics, which is so interesting to see the outcome of that, but then applying it to something, you know, that is not as like the body connection, something that you can see like sales or marketing. So I love that you mentioned that we are getting to the end of our time. What is one piece of advice you would give to someone if they are starting to think about the learning experience and client success and all of those things? One, oh man, one piece of advice. One. So, <laughs> okay, one. Um, also, shout out to your mom because she is the coolest. Her and I chatted up. I just had to do that little shout out for your mom in case she listens to the podcast. <laughs> um, what up, Carrie? <laughs> but one piece of advice um, for someone starting to think about their learning journey is um, think about where you want people to end. Okay. So if you, you know, like with buying or, you know, people sell the transformation. Okay. But like, you have to have that crystal clear picture and you may already be at that end because right. You're hopefully have already done the thing that you're teaching someone else, but then go back and think about what it felt like uh, to not know how to do that thing. And the steps that you had to take to be successful but all like not just the steps, but the feelings that you had when you were going through those steps, because that is a missing piece that people, they forget about as an expert. So the advice I would say is like, try to like tie in emotions because you're going to anticipate what your learners are going to feel. And that empathy piece, like with my chemistry students, when I used to teach high school chemistry, and I, I would, I would be like, this lesson I know is going to be really, really hard. And I know I'm going to give a lot to you. And I know that, um, you're not going to get it today. This isn't a one day lesson. Like I would anticipate, I would like pre and it would put them at ease because they knew that I know what they were going through. And I had thought about how they were going to feel about it. And 
everybody then like comes more open-minded and they're like, they're ready to take the challenge because it's not thrown out of like left field. Um, and so no anticipating your learner's feelings is the advice that I would, I would give. That is a good one. And a lot of times it is easy to forget where you were at. I know for me, I always just have to come back to like struggling with sales and like what it felt like and the frustration and those types of things. I always love connecting with you. And I know after people listen to this, they will want to connect with you. Where can we find you? Where's the best place? Oh, Instagram's my playground. You can find me at my friend, Allie, Allie with two L's and an I. And um, LinkedIn, Allie Privet, P-R-I-V-I-T-T. That's my other playground, I would say. In just my website, www myfriendally.com. We we will link everything down in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me, Megan. If you have loved today's podcast episode, go ahead and take a moment to rate and review on whatever you choose as your platform to listen rating and reviews help us not only be able to serve you deeper but to bring more people in to learn more about sales if you ever want to check out the behind the scenes go down to the show notes my instagram is always linked and i will see you next wednesday for another episode of salesy